Women increasingly drive the economy. Yet overwhelmingly, we say marketers don't get us and work and culture don't appreciate us. Let's change that. I'm Julie Kay. After a career in women-focused brands, I even co-founded one, the business of women offers the latest where women, culture, and marketing meet. On today's episode, let's talk about Ozempic. Is it actually a dragon slayer that could lay waste to all things women's marketing? Maybe not everything. But let's see. Is 2028. Ozempic is fully mainstreamed. Now, Ozempic's a trademark, but I'm using it for any medication that's semi-glutide, GLP-1, what have you. Now, in 2028, telemedicine will be a seamless part of our lifestyle maintenance routines. Your phone will probably function like ye old California weed card. Scan it and get your semi-glutide wherever your lifestyle is maintained. In 2028, you can probably try it at your hair salon, like today's lip injections. You can get a weekly hit during your Costco run, like today's flu shots. Propecia, SSRIs, Ambien, Viagra, B12 injections, semi-glutide. Pretty much the whole HIMS and HERS portfolio and then some. I think it'll all be everywhere at a swipe of your phone. Or it'll just drop at your door after one quick phone call, which is happening now. But by 2028, there are probably some amazing Sephora-style samples in there as well. And, of course, at a range of price points. Yes, there will be brand and quality and consumer experience differences. But, like Grey Goose versus Papa Vodka, they'll all get the job done well enough. And Azempic Nation will have a lot more money in our bank accounts to pay anyway. Because Ozempic may have wiped away a serious amount of our former discretionary spending. Now, I'm no trained futurist. Is anybody really? But after some research, I'd say in the near future, it's possible that semiglutide will no longer be considered a diabetes or weight loss drug, but a lifestyle stabilizer. And it's one that could destabilize a lot of industries, especially those that rely on women. Relying on women who buy for pleasure, for escape, for control, for overfunctioning, for hellscaping. And currently, 81% of all semi-glutide users are female. It's more than possible that semi-glutide will not just upend the diet industry or the snack industry or even the medical industry. But semi, which is the cuddly nickname some users have for it, could disrupt the entire self-care and wellness industrial complex and then some. Marketers and dopamine shoppers take heed. This is what Ozempic Nation could look like. Your wine glasses are dusty, and your ice cream has more ice on it than Wim Hof's beard. Food and booze are no longer comfort. They're just there. You haven't hit Poshmark, Target, or Erwan in at least a month. Maybe two. Because why? And sure, the world's on fire. Screen time will be down by half. Social media KPIs are dead. And for once, we're not blaming the algorithm. What else will be down? The retail therapy that marketers rely on. And the 4.5 hours of time we're spending on our phones every day now. Yes, this is our consumer-driven economy on Ozempic, y'all. But first... 
How does it work? Now, semaglutide doesn't make you feel full. It doesn't supercharge your system like the old trucker speed diet pills. It doesn't block fat. It works in the brain. It blocks rewards. And really, what does much of the American shopper run on? Especially our marketing to women? Rewards. And to be more specific, GPL-1 blocks the highs and the lows. The reward loops. By modulating neurotransmitter activity, it mitigates the little dopamine boosts you get. One sip of booze, one bite of a cookie, one scroll on the phone, boost. Mmm, feels good. Then, ah, oh, it drops. Feels bad. Then, craving. As neuroscientist Alexander Antonio says, that's the driver of addiction. All addictive drugs, or actions, increase dopamine. The mechanisms in the brain that cause us to overeat also overlap with all of these dopamine actions. We are a dopamine society. But with semaglutide, there's no boost, no crash. Once you pop, you can stop. Overwhelmingly, people using this medication describe a total lack of interest in the things they once craved, sometimes even an aversion. So what once would tempt or torment you now simply exists. It no longer holds any power either way. Incidentally, this is how I feel about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But anyway, what else could Ozempic then disrupt? Or, more properly stated, what may Ozempic already be quietly disrupting? First, let's talk vice. Women, we're drinking. A lot. Increasingly, we are drinking alcohol more than ever. That goes right along with our market domination of stress eating and stress snacking. Yay us! Well, with semaglutide, this could change. Pharmacologist Elisabeth Yerlung at University of Gothenburg in Sweden studied binge-drinking rats and animals addicted to alcohol. Yes, in Sweden they are luring animals into alcohol use disorders in the name of science. But anyway, semaglutide caused a 50% reduction in their alcohol consumption. Sema made these barfly rats simply cut their drinking by half. They just stopped doing it. Now, imagine that effect on a rat who's merely a social drinker. Tap water's fine, thank you. Because, reminder, you don't have to be an addict to get a dopamine hit from alcohol, chocolate, drugs, shopping. That reward loop is there, even if it isn't as big. So when you take it away, the behavior goes too. So, let's talk about spending overall. You know how most prescription drug ads talk about side effects like going blind or explosive diarrhea? Well, Reddit groups, science journals, and mainstream coverage all talk about those aversions or loss of interest in the other behaviors, from hobbies to overworking to loss of interest by those patriots of the U.S. economy, shoppers. Semaglutide has been shown to cut retail therapy, to cut shopping behaviors. Now. Note, some neuroscientists believe that the dopamine reward is not triggered when the actual reward hits. It is actually triggered in their minds by the anticipation of the reward. It's thinking about what's going to happen. 
So in other words, the dopamine is not released when you taste the chocolate chip cookie. It's when you're about to bite into it. That wanting, that craving is the release that starts the loop. Well, bad news. A lot of our craving behavior is when we make decisions. And this is very bad news for D2C companies and Amazon. But it could be good news for our 401ks and our carbon emissions. Because shopping remotely has a lot more of this anticipation than going to a store. One study showed 76% of Americans are way more excited about online shopping and waiting for that mail to drop than shopping in a brick-and-mortar store. I think of it as that Christmas morning effect. Now, if that dopamine loop drops and we shop less, think of what could happen. Now, think about layering dopamine on dopamine. Social commerce, in other words, shopping from social media, has become a huge industry. In the last year alone, it was set to eclipse $100 billion. So just a little disruption of that dopamine on dopamine effect of attention could mean the loss of a lot of money. I recently read a piece by a woman who was talking about how she's finding herself buying things that she forgot shopping for. In other words, things are showing up that she bought on Instagram that she doesn't even remember clicking on. That's the kind of behavior that is in mortal danger from semi-glutide now. Now let's talk about the wellness industrial complex. Ozempic may be coming for the stress management, productivity, and mindfulness spaces too. Many users report, for better or for worse, that they feel extremely calm and zen on semi-glutide. One man said, it's like meditating with my eyes open. Now, if you have a flat stomach and a flat affect, why would you need a subscription to the Calm app, a meditation pillow, and a weighted blanket? You won't. Mind you, the meditation industry in this country alone was worth $1.8 billion in 2022. That could be in trouble. And if our collective productivity issues today are about distractibility, some may lay ways to that as well. Goodbye to your bullet journal and goodbye to your Pomodoro. Because if you're no longer driven to check your phone, your email, or your open tabs every five minutes for that hit of daily dopamine, we're going to get a lot more done. With that neurotransmitter modulation, there are indications that semiglutide may reduce distractibility and improve cognitive function. It cuts impulsivity, and in some cases, cuts anxiety. Again, this is very big news for women. If you have any ADHD in your mix, many report that semiglutide helps their focus and productivity much like a prescription does. As one woman with ADHD put it, it's kind of like being on a very low dose of Adderall without that crack feeling. Now, women and people 20 to 39 are the biggest growth market for ADHD drugs. And the prescriptions for adults now outnumber prescriptions for children. Speaking of anxiety, the biggest use of anti-anxiety meds are women ages 45 to 64. So, same. If women are going on semiglutide and finding themselves less anxious, less worried, there will likely be a drop in their medications, as well as buying adaptogens, stress management tools, CBD, 
While the numbers are all over the place, everyone generally agrees the majority of the CBD market is women. If we aren't feeling the pain, why will we spend? Why will we spend on drugs that are unregulated and unproven? Why will we spend $11 on adaptogenic drinks that never tasted that good to start with if we're already calm? Semaglutide could very well change these markets. One last market to disrupt. Let's talk about sex. I've spent the last four years in the perimenopause space. For hormonal reasons and more, libido often drops after 40, and there is a lot of emphasis on getting it back in the business. Products, there are coaches, there are clitoral shots. I am not even picking that up. There are shots to your clitoris, or clitoris, say it how you will, and more to try to get that drive back. Well, if your partner's on Ozempic, that may go away. The answer may be spoon and watch slow horses, because some semi-users also report a loss of interest in sex and porn. By the way, there is a strong link between stress and body image and women's loss of libido. So who knows what could happen on this medication? You could also feel less stress. You could have lost weight, changed your body image, and who knows, in the longer term, your sex drive could go up and the American sex drive could be in a completely different space. Stay tuned. Because the fact of the matter is, dopamine and reward have never been all about food. Today, there is a lot of discussion about Ozempic stopping food noise. Food noise has kind of been the term of Ozempic, right? But it's not just about food. It's whatever hits your dopamine trigger, right? Whether it's phone noise, booze noise, FOMO noise, it's all life noise. It's judgment noise. It's self-loathing noise. And as many have said before me, those emotions are what drive a lot of female marketing and spending. So many of our pleasure and comfort-seeking behaviors are ones of hope and of fear. We hope the reishi actually helps us focus. We hope the meditation practice will stick this time. We hope the ghost pepper tortilla chips will take that way that existential dread. We fear it's too late. But these shots seem to take care of that for people. The effect is sometimes described as calm, as centered, as zen, but it's not all good. It can also sound a bit robotic, very detached, almost like an azempic zombie effect doesn't sound good to me. But the fact is, as a culture, we're very good at numbing out. Millions of people are staring at TikTok videos right now. So while they might feel like they want to be in that dulled space, our actions may speak otherwise. And here's the thing. This medication really speaks to the American psyche. It's quick. It's easy. And it's done for us. If this medication is already helping our genes fit, already lowering our grocery bills, it's going to be hard to stay off of it. In a way, looking at all of the research and reporting on this, Ozempic is really like something out of an old Twilight Zone episode or the book Brave New World. It could give us everything that we want, sort of. In the best case scenario, we're thin and we're zen. We've stopped scrolling, shopping, snacking, drinking, weight watching, and meditating because we just don't need it. That's supposedly freedom. 
And if a medication can replace this much of the time and culture, mental everyday work of self-improvement, it could make a lot of space for us to do other things with our time. Could we change the world? Could we have the calm and self-regulation to have the tough conversations that we need to start having in our culture? Who knows? Or maybe more likely, would passive pursuits like streaming services just be the ones who win? Will lazy boys make a comeback? We don't know. And where do we work? Between this possibly laying waste to marketing and consumerism and AI, none of us may have jobs. Let's just acknowledge that. And honestly, I can't think about that right now. So here is the big question. What is bigger? Our cultural conditioning for thin as supreme and our love of a quick fix? Or could our cultural drive for hedonism and escape and novelty win out nonetheless? If, as a culture, we got off the dopamine and hedonic spiral, who are we? Can we as a culture break our addiction to addiction, to craving? Can we break this pact with pleasure that is so ingrained in the American psyche over the last hundred-ish years? Well, marketing, there's hope. There is one side effect that may save this consumer spending economy. Anyone who's ever lost weight or gotten fit or put in whatever great habit into place and then fallen off the wagon and asked themselves, why? Anybody familiar with that? Uh, I know I've done it more than a few times. We never exactly know why we stop and why we go back to our bad behaviors. And it might be pretty simple. As yet another Scandinavian research, Jens Yulholz said, that may eventually be a problem. That once you've been on this for a year or two, life is so miserably boring. You can't stand it any longer and you have to go back to your old life. Hmm. As marketers? That might be the dream. This is The Business of Women, a new podcast that examines the fascinating areas where marketing, culture, and women meet. I'm Julie Kay, and I'm just getting started. So please, review, subscribe, and share with a friend while I'm figuring it out, because that's what we women do, right? In the future, I'll have interviews and discussions. So stay tuned, and remember, you're worth it.